Bujun and Dinoe Maganatug. Greetings, relatives. My name is Melissa Nelson, and I'm your host and gardener of the Native Seed Podcast. Welcome to the Native Seed Pod, a podcast aimed at celebrating the diversity and beauty of native seeds, soils, and indigenous foods. approximately six years ago when you first came out and planted with us, right? I think so. Has it been that long? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good to come back to um, not only see the corn, but also to teach a little bit about the um, processing, the, the actual foods that our people have, you know, used for centuries. So it's a nice opportunity for us to come back and and I know Wendy will be more involved with the, uh, the aspect of it, but nevertheless, I'm at home, retired, and yeah. so I do many, many of the chores she's going to be talking about too. <laughs> so <laughs> we do we do everything, we do it all together. Exactly. He grows the corn, so that's why I said he's knowledge of the corn being generations in his family of growing the white corn, um, and they, and then like when like six years ago when we came to help plant it now we're excited to be back to say this is how you use the corn now or different dishes Iroquois dishes that can be um, made from the corn which is basically the corn and water that's like the ingredients for the recipes for many of the dishes and time the time it takes to cook and process the corn hey hey ya na honey honey yay Hey on a honey honey Hey on a honey honey I know they're friends Hey on a honey honey Hey on a honey honey Hey on a honey Hey 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 beautiful all right. Well, while we're here standing in the cornfield, maybe this is a good time uh, for you to introduce yourself. Welcome to the Native Seed Pod. Uh, we are an antidote to the monoculture, and we are educating people about food sovereignty and indigenous food systems. So it'd be wonderful for you to introduce yourselves for our audiences. I'm Wendy Bray, um, Seneca, uh, Turtle Clan. And I'm Dave Bray. I'm also Seneca uh, from the Cattaraugus Territory, and I'm from the Wolf Clan, and been pretty much a lifelong uh, farmer. Um, started as a kid and continued on now as an adult and retired. Mm. So I still uh, farm quite a bit. So 
Wonderful. And you graciously shared the gift of Oneo uh, with our community about six years ago. And now we're standing in this field of beautiful white corn. And can you tell us a little bit about the significance of this corn uh, to your Seneca and Haudenosaunee culture? Well, it's been in our culture um, and, and there's a real long history <laughs> that goes back 9,000 years with uh, Teosente, which is actually the precursor of corn. It's a grass that was um, uh, grown, so to speak, in uh, Oaxaca, Mexico. And that's the tracing it way back would be way would be the way to do it. And the way they've done it was through DNA, um, just like you watch CSI on TV. While well, they they were able to do that with corn, they were able to identify actually the the community it come from. So it travels all the way both south into South America, Central America, and up into North America. And it's morphed into different things from a grass, which was teosente, into various colors of corn. And there's various different types of corn, such as popcorn. There's flower types of corn, which is the, the white corn that I've shared with you. There's a flint corn, which is a much harder corn. So there's various types of corn that are used for special situations uh, and special food, food groupings. And... Uh, but the, the most traditional food in our communities is the Iroquois white corn. And that's what I shared with you. Um, part of the reason is obviously there's global change taking place with the environment. And within indigenous communities, we're going to have to share a lot more. And so the planet can only sustain so much as the, the environment changes. And as indigenous people, we should be fully uh, understanding is that we're going to have to share a lot more as temperatures, water levels change throughout the different uh, ecosystems, we're going to have to change and share and trade. And so that was part of the reasoning uh, for doing this. In our last presentation that we talked more about the planting aspect, we did some tastings, but we never really um, talked about how to do the preparation of foods. So we're back here to do that and kind of close the circle on that. I know when the Europeans first came over and they took corn back to Europe, they didn't fully understand how to prepare corn. And they took it back and they didn't do nixamalization. Sometimes we call it ashing the corn, washing the corn, or lying the corn. And that basically what that does is take off the hull or the pericarp, which is like a plastic, I hate to use the term plastic, but it's a covering over corn, which is very hard. And you have to remove that so that niacin can be um, released. And then you can really eat it and not worry about having a deficiency uh, called uh, uh, pelargy. There's a disease that if you just eat corn and just cook it, Without removing that um, pericarp, um, you're going to have a, a potential disease. In fact, Europeans did have that, and then they came back and learned how to do nixtamalization. Yeah, and I know Dave knows a lot about the science and the history of the corn. And I, um, my perspective, because I didn't grow up growing the corn, I grew up more on, say, uh, commodity-type food, but uh, in realizing and learning more about how to grow the white corn and how to process into different dishes, um, 
and having my grandmother, you know, was a basket maker, and that's what she would, you know, make. And also knowing she made cornbread, and then from uh, Dave's mom, um, learning different uh, techniques to prepare the dishes. But also I look at it, the, the corn, in terms of the three sisters. Um, you have the corn, beans, and squash. And looking at it from, um, like, the creation story, and, and walking into the cornfield, I, I like to touch it and, and think about the history and the people, or the ancestors of us, who grew the corn and were still growing it. And, like, when you're walking through the field, you just feel the brushing on your body and talking to the corn and, you know, just thanking that it's being able to, it's growing and um uh, going to give us the nutritious, the sustenance, that that's what it was uh, provided for uh, a lot of the Haudenosaunee people. And also sharing it at that time with with uh, the newcomers to the uh, territories. And as we're still continuing to share it. And that's why we're so happy to share it with um, the Native people on the West Coast. Um, and with, as uh, we'll be sharing how to prepare the different dishes from uh, green corn, uh, Agonza uh, and rose corn, corn hulled corn soup, uh, cornbread, corn bread, um, mush. so in mush, so in dumplings, different dishes you can you can make. But the basic for it is the corn, is the white corn, oneo can or oneo, and water, and the time it takes. Those are the two ingredients that you need. And then, especially now, we use the ash, the ashes, hardwood ashes to. Uh, as Dave had explained about getting the outer co covering to give the new, you know, give it a more nutritious uh, 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 nutrients for our body. Um, but just to be out here in, in the fields with the uh, cultural conservancy, um, uh, it's just exciting. I mean, I'm just, yeah, containing myself because I'm pretty <laughs> low-key. Um, but to stand in the field to see it, that we, when we were here, we had planted just the seeds. And so we know we were putting that into the ground. And to see how the care that all the people around here has taken to, to what it is now. And like just like how it's growing in this climate, which is different than the Northeast, where we're from, the Haudenosaunee Territory. And to see how it adapts. And it is adapting and it, it's, it's growing well. And one of the things that um, you've done here is, is grow in a milpa, uh, a corns, beans, and squash together. And what's interesting about that, there's a couple things, again, getting my scientific hat on, I guess, <laughs> was that uh, corns, beans, and squash together in a meal almost equals animal protein. So it sustains our people. It's a sustainer. And some people uh, would refer to it as joheko, which is... Um, are sustainers but it's more than just corns beans and squash it's everything that sustains us all the foods that we eat so it's very important um, and and on the other side is as they grow together as we have planted here is that the the corn takes out the nitrogen of the soil the bean puts back uh, nitrogen in, into the soil um, and potash is take is put in by the um, uh, squashes so there's like a cycle that takes place by growing them all together to continue uh, growing without really having to do a lot of uh, fertilization so to speak or composting I know a lot of the stuff here is, is used uh, via compost via fish uh, emulsion 
and the corn here is very green very lush and uh, so are the beans so are the squashes and so it's really nice to see that you've continued using because that was our traditional method of actually growing now we've gotten a little away from it because sometimes I have to do my stuff by myself so I, I do grow in, in rows and um, and it's because I do it by myself if I have a, a school system like here to help out or a um, community to fully help that would be uh, a, you know you could go back to the system but uh, for what I'm doing I have to do it in rows and even when he um, the amount of corn he grows back at the Cataraugus territory um, it's shared with the community uh, especially with our uh, longhouse community when uh, different ceremonies are taking place um, either come you know to our fields to harvest for the green corn um, and also uh, when it's dried uh, for the corn, the corn soup, uh, we also grew a, a blue Seneca blue corn, and so that was you know people in the community um, would uh, need that for different ceremonial uh, personal ceremonies. Uh, so it, we're just happy to be able to provide that for the community, and now a lot of the younger generation has an interest in how to uh, and. Uh, get back into planting, you know, because it seemed like it was kind of because of the easy access of the supermarket. But there's not a lot of growers, and that's kind of the, you know, uh, eyebrow raiser to me is like, you know, I think they're starting to realize that um, for all our ceremonies, virtually all our ceremonies, we have corn involved in one fashion or another. And if it wasn't for the longhouse, I don't know if corn would still be in our community it probably would but not to the extent it is and so certainly you know when whenever the longhouse needs stuff you know I'm more than willing to to contribute and donate and and help out and um, but I'm hoping you know in the future that our younger people will start um, taking a hold of that because somebody else as I I'm retired um, I can't do this all my, you know, all my life. So somebody else is going to have to take over. And I know my daughter knows how, um, but there's got to be other people um, to continue the the uh, growing of the corn. Uh, there are some um, people growing, but not to the extent that should be. And I think that has skipped a couple of generations. So now the younger uh, uh, people are, are have an interest in how to grow it. So they're coming to, to talk with Dave to ask them the process because you know they've always seen our fields out there they're green they look just like this but in rows and we're always happy to share with the community and teach um, as well as we were um, at the Edible Schoolyard Academy learning uh, uh, how they do their uh, school community uh, garden and that has given us a lot of ideas to we brought back to the uh, our community and sharing with the different school districts that our students attend um, and so they're interested in doing a uh, garden. I don't know if it's just a resurgence of the time now, uh, you know, in two, uh, 2000s, that it's time that we learn how to plant food and more conscious of uh, what we're putting onto the plants and then what is going into our bodies. But I think there's, uh, I've, I've noticed that even with the different school districts and having interest to show and teach the children okay, this is how it's done, So, and having a more nutritious meals during the day as they're uh, in their academics. And it should be a main staple of our diet because I look at, 
you know, in, in Europe, the main staple is wheat. You take a look at Asia, the main staple is rice. Well, the Americas, the main staple should be corn. And because of that, um, I think it's just important that we grow it and control it. And that's part of the, the food sovereignty you talk about. Uh, is It's important that we continue this legacy and it's good for our bodies in our dna it has has really been part of us uh, for centuries and so we got to continue uh, feeding that now when you see commodities coming into our communities that is not corn it's usually um, it might be corn canned corn but it's usually rice or it's usually wheat flour and it could be lard um, and some one of my friends, John Mohawk, mentioned to me one time, he said, you know, of all the things that have killed Native people, he said, commodities has probably killed more, more uh, Native people than the, the military of the, of the governments that we fought against. So, you know, I want to really take a look at that and make sure that, you know, our next generations will be able to have better diets and um, also better exercise. I know one of the things I do off to the side with Native Visions, which is a Johns Hopkins program for sports and leadership. Uh, we try to have the um, young athletes um, get educated not only on just the sport itself, but also in the areas of nutrition and leadership. And uh, nutrition is very important. As I'll ask a, a group of uh, athletes, how many, how many people here have, uh, have a family member who has diabetes, you'll almost see 100% in native communities has a family member who has diabetes and that'd be a national tragedy in any other community so what we can do is kind of look at what we're eating what we're drinking and start uh, working to improve our, our health of our people whether it's through exercise and nutrition those are the two things that are most important also in our uh, community um, started uh, uh, our nation Seneca nation started the uh, agriculture program so it's this uh, a new uh, initiative I mean it's old but it's a new community initiative is uh, the Seneca farms and uh, starting to grow and the uh, three sisters uh, different beans and uh, corn the white corn and getting uh, school groups involved um, so that that's a good step for our, our community to have it as uh, our, our nation to um, put uh, effort and funding into uh, the farming aspect, uh, realizing that this is who we are, corn, <laughs> and we, you know, have to uh, plant it to uh, get the, uh, the the produce from it, and uh, and it just ties in with Longhouse to be always thankful that we have, still have this. Um, and having as our Gnomio or our Thanksgiving address uh, all these other elements that are needed to we plant it it's the, the sun and the rain that helps it to grow we're just a, a helper along with one with uh, all the other elements uh, in this in the world in the environment thank you so much for that and you both have referred to the longhouse a little bit and some people may not know the the tradition of the longhouse and i believe even your traditional name for yourself is the people of the longhouse so if you could just say a little bit the significance of that um you know it's it's more it's an institution it's a cultural center i it's many things but just to share a little bit more and its relationship with the corn would be great it's a way of life you know it's not a religion 
Um, it's somewhat more of a culture, but it's also giving thanks to the Creator. And the, the basis, I think, from um, our ceremonies is, you know, we always open with Ganonio, and it goes around a uh, cycle. There's 13 moons, and we follow a lunar calendar, and it kind of revolves around, uh, to me, it revolves around the planting cycle <laughs> and giving thanks from the, the seed to the planting to the um, the green corn. There used to be other ceremonies such as the, the beans. We have a strawberry ceremony of medicines for the medicines, giving thanks for the medicines, the green corn, a harvest. Um, so it kind of revolves around giving thanks uh, that Mother Earth, the Creator, has, has continued and, and we're continuing giving thanks to to what sustains us and um, and I would I'm not sure how many ceremonies we have maybe a dozen or so uh, mm -hmm. ceremonies and there's private ceremonies also um, but nevertheless there's there's a number of ceremonies that take place but to me you know the maple is the leader of our, our trees and when the sap is running we have a maple ceremony um, and when it comes toward planting time, the new moon right around in May, um, somewhere thereabouts, we'll have a ceremony and and about four moons later we'll have green corn ceremony. <laughs> and so like I try to follow that when I when I plant because I want to make sure that we do have stuff ready. And uh, so I'm just, you know, the corn is important and uh, and the green corn ceremony is a very important ceremony in our people for our people. As is midwinter, we have one midwinter ceremony. Those are our two big uh, ceremonies. So, and the longhouse is where all the our clans. We have eight eight clans um, the bir from the birds side group, and the uh, land an land or the animal group, and that's important process uh, in the longhouse where, um, depending on what ceremony it is, um, from birth to death within that spectrum and seasonal uh, which clan uh, which bird or clan or animal clan will uh, take care of that ceremony to make sure it's it's continuing you know um, and then they, next year somebody another clan's turn and so that that's very important with the longhouse with their our community uh, knowing uh, your clan because that's way, depending on a ceremony if you're seated in, in one side of the longhouse building where it's now a longhouse building um, if you're of the, the uh, animal clan you might be on this side for our peach stone game and, and then the birds are on the other side but also during the time of, of death um, if you're from the bir uh, bird side the, the clan animal uh, people will take care of things um, because you're in grieving the grieving uh, process and so within in the longhouse community um, as David mentioned it is it's centered around corn you know, looking back at it and that's the important the food at each of the ceremonies is it's important to give thanks corn and I'm gonna give thanks yeah. but also the the food itself is the corn is it's usually the there basis. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember uh, the first time I had your beautiful Iroquois white corn was with John Mohawk with his early Iroquois white corn project probably in the late 90s, mid 90s. And the first time I tasted, I grew up on sweet corn, 
that you bought in stores where we grew some, but probably just basic, you know, standard hybridized seeds. And the first time I took a bite, I think it was a dumpling, a white corn mm-hmm. dumpling, Oneo dumpling. It was like a different food. I mean, I felt like it was a whole new type of food. I only had a little bit and it fed my body. I was so full and so happy. And it seems extremely, you know, the word is nutrient dense, right? That people use. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if you can say a little bit about, you know, that the power of that nutrient density food that our native foods come from, as opposed to the way industrial food system has shifted the food's quality. The, um, it's an interesting remark because uh, that was a concern or interest of mine because I take, I'm an athlete and, and uh, looked at the uh, various energy bars that I've uh, tried out throughout the years and you take a look at the ingredients and many of them are either out of uh, rice or wheat and also out of brown sugar or some type of syrup, corn syrup sometimes, Mm -hmm. which is a highly processed um, uh, syrup that that adds like, to me, artificial sugar. So um, that concern has has resonated with me. So then I started looking at some historical books and looking at our runners and how our runners, they run good 20 miles, even up to 40 miles a day uh, from community to community because that's how we we uh, sent messages back and forth by runners we usually send two runners out and they would take with them a pouch of uh, usually parched corn and sometimes it would be mixed or added with some some type of animal fat it could be uh, a deer fat or even deer meat and, and mixed together and that would give you your protein and also give you your sustainability and surprisingly even as an athlete myself uh, when I was uh, a little bit more in a teenager. I remember eating cornbread, which is a very dense uh, version. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the most, it helped me sustain. I was a runner besides a lacrosse player, uh, but it helped me sustain my running, um, my endurance. Um, before that, as I was really young, I started I started using peanut butter and jelly, but then I graduated over to cornbread. It was just, uh, it was, you know, just a learning experience, you know, as, as a young person. Um, you know, I just kind of gravitated toward cornbread, and and um, and even more recently, uh, we, we've taken a look at the um, um, using corn into a into an energy bar. And I was working with a, a girl who graduated from Cornell, and then graduated from UB, very similar track that I did. Choose somebody uh, who took an interest in in this and and help develop um, you know, with the products that we had to develop into something um, that would be energy nutritious. And the one thing she warned me about uh, was not to use um, chia, chia seeds because it mixes with some people's um, medication for heart. And I'm trying to think of the name of the, the uh, it's a blood thinner that, and what it, Kudamin, oh. and it, 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 what it does is have an amplifying effect of kudamin, or, mm. and so we didn't use that. But nevertheless, there was peanut butter in there. There was uh, different um, uh, other ingredients. Uh, maybe Wendy could add more because I know she was more involved with uh, the pr- the ingredients. Nuts, nuts, dried fruit, honey, maple syrup, 
vanilla. Uh, vanilla. Which is Mexico. Of course. Right. right. And they had oats in there, but that's, we're looking to, how to, you know, because it's still in the, the phase of experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. But the base ingredient is it's the corn. Tors- toasted. Toasted corn. Toasted oneo yeah. f- corn flour, white corn yeah. flour. Yummy, which I had for breakfast today with you, and that was so delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would it have been the same flour? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's so versatile. I think that's the one thing. Yeah, we we use that with fish. We use the you know the the the, the toasted uh, white corn flour or meal in the various dishes, and we were always experimenting, experimenting with it from having it for breakfast to even having it for dessert. You can do multiple things, and then you can add it for flour into or like a, a, a thing for fish. Mm-hmm. Um, a coating for fish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and um, but also we also stick to the traditional i guess um way of of processing the corn because one time i was uh i was with an elder and i know people try different things with corn which because it's so versatile you, you can make different salads or Experience. yeah as ingredient it but i remember the elder was saying oh i wish they would have that regular corn soup because it's the traditional that she grew up on used to so also i think in the experimenting part of it is to get the younger generation who didn't grow up on corn soup or that dense you know you have to acquire the taste and we use maple syrup to give it that that sweetening or the strawberries add to but trying other dishes that people who haven't had the traditional because you have to acquire the taste i mean for that without adding everything else to it to make it not taste like cornbread um is to put it in other dishes so and i think that and and i think some restaurants um back in when john mohawk um was um looking at other restaurants and how you know in order to put it into the general community how could they use you know benefit from this um the nutrients of the white corn process and putting into different salads but just like the other communities um oneida wisconsin they have their uh white corn farm uh, production and services or community as well as they package it and it can be and people can go to their community and buy in their local stores um, or get it mailed to them and as well as uh, ganundagan um, seneca uh has another uh, from the John Mohawks, the White Corn Project also. So it's more getting out there into the general community to also take advantage of the nutritious, you know, white corn. What I do like about the Wisconsin model though is it's right in their community and it's done, everything is done within their community and services their community. So that to me is very important to to give back into our community. If it's our corn, we should continue keeping it in our communities and sharing it within our communities and that's an important piece to take care of our communities first. And then uh, beyond that, I guess you can go to the next level, but um, I know that's kind of the, the rub that I have. Um, to make sure that we give back to the community. In fact, you know, we have some people will come up into our, at our house and we'll show them everything we're, we're doing as far as uh, processing food um, for hull corn soup, roast corn soup, and, uh, and we just do it at our house, you know, and it, it's, it's not institutionalized, it's, it's done with friendship. Mm, <laughs> so. so generous, like the corn is, right? Yep. The corn is very generous. Um, like you said, we plant the seeds, but... 
the rains and the thunder and the soil and all the little critters really give it the life. So it's very generous. So thank you for sharing it with us. And um, we're here today in mid-August, uh, or late August, really. And as you mentioned, it's kind of the moon of the green corn mm -hmm. time. And so we're going to uh, enjoy harvesting green corn with you here. And you said it's quite significant to your community. Um, do you want to share a little bit more about um, the significance of the green corn at this stage um, for harvesting and what kind of food we make out of it? Well, I think, you know, that you know, when we have a ceremony for a maple, you know, the maple is the leader of our trees and lets us know that, you know, the spring is here and, and, and everything's continuing as it should. Similarly, you know, when green corn comes along, you know, everything is is, is the way it should be and uh, it's kind of the leader of of our sustainers I guess and and uh, but it, it is a bigger ceremony that we do have namings we, our, our children and some of the adults who are changing titles um, get their names changed at that time and I believe we also have a peach bowl game um, as the last part of that which is a, a very sacred game um, for our people and, and seven uh, dances we have seven vegetables the, you know harvesting of the current vegetables that are mm -hmm. in season and so that's also part of the ceremony so as we're going to be sharing you know uh, it's in the green corn stage here now at uh, Marin Indian College oh, Organic Farm. yes and so it's in the green corn stage so we will uh, be showing how to uh, how to choose the ear uh, for uh, the green corn soup and a goza, and then also looking at the ear as is it uh, ready for roasting, which then we use as uh, roast corn soup. And like I said, the ingredients is the corn and the water, corn and the water, and corn and the water for those three dishes and the time it takes to do it. But the the plants themselves did a lot of time growing, and the people who caring for it, you know, to get it to this stage, helping along because you know, as a corn. It doesn't grow up by itself. It needs also the help of, of, of people. So we have that relationship just as a symbiotic relationship of the three sisters. You know, we're part of, we can be part of that group. The fourth yeah. sister. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, the fourth sister, or brother. Yeah, and we'll be having, um, making green corn soup. Uh, it's very similar to what we would have back home at, at the ceremony. So it's, um, it's you know, again, it's just sharing and and utilizing corn to the, to the best advantage uh, for nutrition. Uh, it's very nutritious because it's in a very early stage. It's in the milk stage. So I, th I find that to be the most nutritious stage. Mm. And the two products, uh, green corn soup as well as uh, a gonzat, which is the baked corn, um, they're very tasty to me. And, and it's kind of my, two of my favorite dishes, but I also like cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> they're all delicious. Yes. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share about this beautiful uh, milpa um, or oneo um, before we move on? While we're here, I'm just looking at admiring the plant standing here. Yes. Since we're in, we're in with the corn, beans, and squash, and it, just amazed that to see it, it growing in this climate, and it does. It looks slightly. I mean it. It's the same corn, but because it's adapting to this uh, California the environment out here, I can see subtle differences. But I always love how looking into the soil, and it looks like the, the the roots are in the center going down, but there's like those braces that look like a hand. It's just hanging on to the soil because of it 
you know, from the wind or any other uh, birds that sit on the leaves. And, and uh, But yeah, just admiring and also the beans coming up. And I know some of the beans have the pretty flowers growing on them. So it's just a, a beautiful work of art. <laughs> And the soil here, what often caught my my attention early on, even like six years ago when we were here, you know, using the compost and and just seeing the operation of of uh, making compost, um, you know, it's, it's a newer trend of doing things. Uh, I remember using fish, <laughs> you know, I used to catch fish and and I'd stick them in a hill. I remember as a kid sticking them in the hill and and making my mounds and everything, and, and you know, I was just doing you know maybe a dozen or so and carrying all the fish up from the creek which was you know down about 30 40 feet and i had to bring it up mm -hmm. and uh put it in those hills and the next day or a couple of days later the raccoons came in there and took all my fish <laughs> <laughs> and, and ruined all my plantings you know that was like you know was a, and i was just a young like 10 to 12 years old like you know i just i'll never forget that as like you know i think i'm doing everything real traditional and everything and and next thing i know the raccoons had a sh little share well the raccoons love this corn too <laughs> they love to come in they love the green corn as well and they they get a few ears a year but we're happy to share because yep. it's generous with us and yep. there's still plenty to go around yeah. Yeah. Well, in that rich compost, we really have to thank Wendy Johnson and Peter Rudnick, the master organic farmers who, you know, co-founded this Indian Valley Organic Farm and Garden and uh, have worked this soil so beautifully that it's super rich and, and took to the corn mm -hmm. and fed the corn um, very quickly. Uh, so we're grateful to them for that. Yeah, and she's a lot of energy. I mean, she's a dynamic woman. You know, we've got to meet meet her, and over the years, uh, really admired her energy, her uh, forth, foresight of, of seeing things happen and uh, getting them done. Mm -hmm. So, and her knowledge, plant knowledge. I just love walking with her, and just a wealth of information on on plants. Great woman. Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. 
The Native Seed Pod is produced by the Cultural Conservancy with generous support by Tamil Pius Trust. To contribute to our polyculture and to find out more information, please visit us at nativeseedpod.org or nativeland.org. I know also coming out here that I knew there was a, a large native community out here in Oakland and San Francisco and, and around uh, this Bay Area. And, you know, I, I knew the the uh, community house in Oakland is one of the oldest urban centers, uh, dates way back in the termination era. And so I knew there was a lot of relocated uh, indigenous people in this area. So it was... I was really glad to, to actually share this because I know they probably miss some of the corns back in their territories and to bring life back, so to speak, uh, with corn back here, even though it's Iroquois corn, it's still good corn. Um, and uh, I know when we had a, uh, a feeding and a demonstration, so to speak, at the community house, I, it was really well received. And so I was just really glad to, to bring full circle uh, because I know they're they're out here uh, and they were relocated from their territories and and uh, to see the the um, the people was just it was heart lifting for me to you know see them still thriving still doing what they you know still having the language and everything so it was just a nice uh, uh, piece for me to come back and realize that you know this this corn is going to be shared with them. And uh, it will continue. It's an educational setting here so that they can continue learning. They may have urban garden gardens in Oakland, but right now we're in the College of Marin, and I'm glad they could host this uh, uh, garden here for indigenous people. And I know there's beans here. There's other types of uh, produce here uh, from Hopi, uh, from uh, various uh, other tribal nations so it's just nice to see uh, what's what's happening here and, and you're sharing it with the, the broader community here wonderful uh, well thank you both so much for for sharing the gift of Oneo with the cultural conservancy and the Indian Valley organic farm and garden which means we're able to share it with the urban Indian native community of the the larger San Francisco Bay Area and we've been using it as flour um, and making um, different items out of the flour for a few years after saving seed. And now you're showing us how to do the green corn and some of these other delicious dishes. So we're so grateful for your generosity and your extensive knowledge of, of plants and, and native food systems. And, and also sharing your, your beautiful daughter, Kaylina, who worked with us for five years and really helped create this milpa and this corn farm here. So Chi uh, much gratitude to both of you for all that you've shared with us and we look forward to uh, eating some uh, good corn together and, and sharing it with our larger communities. Okay, Nyawe. Nyawe.